Hello and welcome to another edition of Retrospection. In this episode, we're taking a flight aboard Cutter's Goose in the short-lived American series Tales of the Gold Monkey from 1982. It's the adventures of a 1930s Pacific Islands bush pilot and his companions. Bush pilot, that's what IMDB says. <laughs> Didn't say a word. <laughs> Didn't say a word. Oh, I think that was your nickname for a while, wasn't it? <laughs> you were known as the bush pilot. <laughs> I've no idea what you're talking about. Never saw one. That's what was weird. Did you? I'm bushless. Should have called you the bushless pilot. I've seen plenty of bushes in my time, don't you worry. And I've even pruned a few. Yeah, yeah. Oh yeah, shrubbery lover. Yeah, absolutely. Yes. My name's Colin, and I don't fight well when I don't know what I'm fighting for, or who. That is a good line. And I'm Paul, and yes is rough, and no is rough rough. What's your dog impressions now? We do dog impressions. I do all kinds of animals. That's that's new. That's new. So the show starts. Stephen Collins as Jake Cotter, Jeff McKay as Corky, Caitlin Ohini as Sarah Stickney White, Marta Du Bois, Du Bois. Not sure how we're pronouncing it. As Princess Koji, John Calvin as Reverend Willie Ten Boom, John Fujioka as Toto, and Ron Moody as Bond Chance Louie. But in the series. It's played by Roddy McDowell. I can see why. And I can see why they made the change. <laughs> why? Well... Not great? Don't like him? I, I, I have nothing against Ron Moody at all. I, I like Ron Moody, but I think he's completely... Um, he's completely wrong on quite a few levels in this, I think. Let's put it this way. He makes mm. our French stereotypes that we do sometimes... Uh, it makes them sound uh, authentic. Ah, I see your point. Well, talking of stereotypes, we also have an appearance by John Hilleman as Monocle. Monocle, yes. <laughs> and that is the way that I've referred to him through the whole of my notes as well. So. That's how he's listed in IMDb. Yeah, that's why I wrote him as Monocle, but I think oh, 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 okay. Cusser right. calls him Fritz most of the time, doesn't he? Well, I don't think that's his actual no, I, name. No, I understand it's a, it's a racial slur, Colin. <laughs> I am aware of that, yes. <laughs> oh, Okay. <laughs> And the music is by Pete Carpenter and Mike Post. Yeah, well, well, when you when you get into the credits, we'll talk about the music. I've got something to say about that. Okay, so this is a Donald P. Belisario created mm-hmm. show. Uh, apparently, it's not based on what I always thought it was based upon, which is the Indiana Jones series, Raiders of the Lost Ark. It's based on the film Only Angels Have Wings, or at least they've taken ideas from yeah but i i this wouldn't exist if it wasn't for raiders of the lost ark i don't think have you seen the film um i may well have done but i can't remember you'd have to remind me cary grant film about south american freighter pilots yes and he flies a plane similar to this doesn't he yes i have yeah. seen it yes yeah they, yeah. they fly yeah. seaplane it's a good it's an, sorry no just a good film it's an excellent mm-hmm. film it may well have uh, it may well be based on that a little bit but but what i'm saying is that this would not exist if it wasn't for Raiders of the lost ark i i don't remember people clamoring to make these kind of movies in in the early 1980s or, or the late 70s before Raiders of the lost ark came about do you yeah i agree no i i agree because he'd been trying to make it previously and then suddenly the channel or yeah. studio decided to go ahead with it yeah exactly and this isn't the only film of this kind of thing. We also had um, Bring Him Back Alive. Yes, the the um, was he mustachioed and he wore a, 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 
a helmet. <laughs> I can't remember what the helmet's called. A p- p- piss helmet. One, yes. Yeah, it was Bruce Boxleitner playing an actual who he did live. He was a a person who brought animals back for zoos and things mm-hmm. like that. Now, did you watch that as well? Yeah. Uh, yes, I did. And but my memory is that I preferred this one rather than the Bring Them Back Alive. But I've never seen that one since that time. So. I, I think I I dipped into Bring Them Back Alive, but I was more Tales of the Gold Monkey as well. Um, Bring Them Back Alive was on ITV in the UK, wasn't it? And Tales of the Gold Monkey was on the BBC. Oh, now you're testing me. I'm, I'm not sure, sure it was. I'm perhaps. sure it was was prime time BBC One when it when it when it was on early eighties. Right. And for some reason. You, you, do you remember we had that conversation about you always felt that stuff on the BBC felt classier than the stuff on ITV? Even yeah. though I know that they're both American shows, Tales of Gold Monkey always felt classier than uh, the Bring Them Back Alive. Uh, in, my, in my mind, Bring Them Back Alive has a problem in that even though he's humanely trapping animals, he's, he's still trapping definitely. animals. Yeah, yeah. And I don't, I don't, I don't so, think. I don't. And this is going to be a controversial statement. Which we won't go into, but I don't think Bruce Botsleitner is as charismatic as Stephen Collins is in this. Oh, okay. And we'll leave that statement there, shall we? <laughs> uh, yeah, yes. I was. Let's not touch that. <laughs> look it up. Look it up if you want to, listeners. Look, look it yeah. up. Yeah. Google Stephen Collins or not. <laughs> Probably not. So this show was an inspiration for the Disney animated series Tailspin. Yes. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. So. Well, he's supposed to be Jake Cotter, anyway. He's supposed to be an ex-flying tigers pilot. Now, do we do we get into that in the series? Because I've only watched the pilot, and I can't remember much about the rest of the series. In the series, we do, but there's a problem with that because the flying tigers only operated from 1941 to 1942, and this show is set in 1938. Yeah, it's just on the cusp of, of World War Two, isn't it? This episode, which I have problems okay. with too. All right. We'll get to that when the when the text okay, appears. Okay, all right. <laughs> do, do you have any uh, anything else? Yeah, I had a weird. Did you see the weird fact that that the show was also inspired by a strange marketing campaign for an exotic drink mix? No, what called? What was the drink called? Brass Monkey. Ah, because the show was supposed to originally be called. That's right. Brass Monkey. That's right, and but they had to change it. Yeah, and the um they the. The marketing campaign around Brass Monkey centered around a World War Two fictional bar for smugglers and spies in Singapore. That's a great idea for a show. Oh, it is definitely. Yeah, you could. There's a lot to run with it, but um, I'm not. I'm not sure. I, I I believe that it's one of those facts that you see online, and I'm not sure I believe it. But <laughs> oh. um, did you read? The, did you um? Did you read the the stuff about the dog that they used in the show? No, tell me about the dog. I like the dog. I like the dog. He's in in many ways. He's one of the best things in it. Um, he was an actual stray dog that was wearing an eye patch when they found him. Oh, which is why he's so comfortable with the eye patch on. Oh, it's one of those rags to riches stories. It is. It is. I wonder if he if he carried on working after the show was cancelled. Maybe bit parts here and there. Mm-hmm. Not much call for a dog with an eye patch, though, is there? I mean, well, he doesn't have to wear the eye patch. You could wear shades. But I'm sure that that dog isn't wearing a... It, it doesn't have a real glass eye, does he? So if they found an actual stray dog with an eye patch, was it just a, an aesthetic thing that he chose when he was wandering around? Oh, whoa, whoa, whoa. He chose... The dog chose the yeah, eye patch. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Is he like one of those guys <laughs> oh, that, they, that yeah. wears a funny hat? Just So he's the hat guy. 
that dog with all his friends, he was he was the eye patch guy. Now my guess is like a homeless guy put a eye patch on him to get more money because it would <laughs> pluck the sympathy <laughs> strings, right? That's got to be what it is, right? I, I don't know. I, I like the idea that he. I, I'm it. pretty sure. I'm pretty sure the dog didn't choose the eye I'd patch. I'd love it let's, to be let's true. Let's just say I'd love that. It to be true, though. Yeah. <laughs> Stock footage from um, from this was used in quite a lot of other things as well. Yeah, I, I watched an episode, coincidentally actually, not on purpose, I watched an episode of the A-Team that had the Cutter's Goose in it. Yeah, and apparently it was also used in Quantum Leap as well. Ah, well that makes sense, Belisario yeah. production. The A-Team's not a Belisario show. So. No, it was a Cannell show, wasn't it? Stephen J. Cannell. So yeah. maybe, maybe, maybe yeah. I don't know, maybe Same it was... Studio, channel, possibly. can't remember. Yeah. 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 Oddly, even though this show was, was quite well received both in the uk and the us um it was cancelled because it didn't get really good ratings ah, i kind of i, I kind of like these types of shows mm. I, I don't know what you'd class it as would you class it as like a like relic hunter that kind of thing i don't know um well i mean this is this is as you said before it's a pastiche on 1930s i see it as a pastiche on 1930s serials so it's a, it, it's kind of a, a nostalgic show in a way, isn't it? And they lean into that a lot, yeah. don't they? They, you know, with the, with the dissolves, the cross, the cross screen dissolves and, um, credits. credits. Yeah, it's very, very old school. It's really yeah. hard to pull off and do it well. That you see a lot of these kind of things that were, doesn't quite work because it just feels too modern, even though they're trying to make it seem like it isn't. Um, yeah. I, I watched a terrible one recently, um, Jane and the Lost City. Uh, terrible right, movie, right. terrible movie. Not... They're going for the same kind of feel, you know, like it's some kind of 1930s serial type thing, but it was it, it was dreadful. And Jasper Carrot is a terrible actor. <laughs> oh, <laughs> I forgot that yes, he was he in plays it. Yes, he plays a Gestapo agent. He's, uh... <laughs> but Tales of Gold Monkey, actually, I think it does it well. But we'll talk about that at the end, obviously. Oh, yeah, yeah. Whoa, steady there, but oh, no, I don't want to. I don't want to shoot. Messy, me- don't want to shoot too soon, do I? No, messing with our formula. Right. So, shall we get right into Go it? Go for it. We open with a cinematic sounding theme. Hmm. I don't like it. You don't. It's not memorable enough for it's, you. It's it's just a little bit beige, don't you think? It's a bit. It's it's. It's not memorable at all, which is unusual for a Mike Post theme, I think. I did find myself humming it the other day. Really? I, I, if yeah. you asked me to hum it now, I don't think I could remember it. You know what I'm going to do next, I do know you, what Paul? you're going to do next, yes. <laughs> and I walked into this one. Ignore you, ignore you and move on. <laughs> there is a little bit of an A-team vibe in the middle of it as well. I think, isn't that because they both used the military snare right, drum yeah. sound? Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just, I just thought it was a bit yeah. dull. All right. I admit it's not up mm-hmm. there, but I did find myself humming it, so there must okay. be something. But yes, I can see that. So as the music plays, we get a shot of the seaplane, Cutter's Goose, flying above the clouds during magic hour. The credits appear on the bottom of the screen in a style of an old Republic mm-hmm. serial. Very well done. Yeah. We see the pilot smoking a cigar and a shot of his dog sitting in the co-pilot seat. We see mountains and islands and what looks like a kind of Chinese junk floating by, giving us an idea of where mm-hmm. we are. And then it says 1938, deep in the South Pacific. I think that year is wrong. 
I think that's too early. Why? Well, ignoring the Flying Tigers thing, which was 1941 to 1942, but this episode, we have Nazis everywhere looking for a material mm-hmm. for rockets. This is 1938. The whole thing was just, you know, Germany was just annexing various places mm-hmm. at that point. There wasn't an actual yeah. war mm-hmm. yet. It just feels way too early. It should have been two years later. Yeah, I can see that. Yeah, yeah. I think setting it two years later would have added that extra bit of, of drama to it as well, don't you think? Yeah, because you could have had the, oh, the Allies are losing yeah. kind of thing. And then you get that whole um, sort of Casablanca vibe to it as well, don't you? Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm. Yeah, so it's an, it's an odd choice. We close on an island shrouded in mist. The music becomes more ominous and we see a waterfall in the jungle. Some kind of primate is sitting eating a fruit. It hears sounds. You you say some kind of primate, and you're quite correct in describing it as some kind of primate, because this ain't no monkey I've ever seen. I don't think it's supposed to be. I think it's stylized. I think because it's a guardian of the uh, gold Mm -hmm. monkey, and that it's some island separated from the rest of the lands, I think it is supposed to not look like any kind of monkey or ape that we've ever seen before i think that's that's done on purpose what doesn't help it mm-hmm. of course is the costume no quality. um i was i was just about to say that when we first see the monkey from a distance on top of that cliff eating his fruit mm-hmm. um they definitely more look more impressive further away than they do when they're running directly into the camera as we see them later yeah, they they remind me of um, the suit that was used in the Not the Nine O'Clock News sketch. <laughs> yes, with Rowan Atkinson. It says, yeah. yeah, yes, I had to civilize him. When I caught him, he was wild. Wild? I was absolutely <laughs> livid. That one. Classic, yeah. Um, I, I, I think it, if this was animated, that it, that I, can under, I, I, I can see what you mean. If it, if it was an animated um, movie that and they did it that way, they would look amazing. You know, a stylized yeah. version of this done in animation would look fantastic. Live action, not so much. But I think that's mm. what they were doing. Okay. Do you think this is cheap? I didn't um, know what the, how much the show cost to... I didn't look it up, but do, just gut feeling, do you, do you think it was a cheap show to make? I think they cut corners, but I think it was expensive in mm-hmm. other areas. Like, you're filming aircraft stuff. Yeah. That's expensive. And the aerial stuff, like most of the aerial stuff in all these 80s shows, was really good. Yeah. So I guess you have to cut corners yeah. somewhere. Yeah, and, and I suppose there's a lot of... I mean, all the island stuff is studio-based, apart from when they're on the beach. Right, yeah. And this this jungle is clearly yeah. a studio yeah, jungle. It, it... But that also makes it look like the republic serials that it's trying very to very true be. maybe it would look maybe it would look fantastic in black and white i can imagine it would well that's an interesting mm. idea everyone's yeah. doing that nowadays yeah. i don't think anyone's clamoring to uh, to see a black and white version of this we are <laughs> <laughs> no just oh, turn yeah. your color down yeah. on your tv next time you watch so it on the... <laughs> see what it looks like i'm tempted mm. i'm tempted yeah. so on the other side of the water two explorers break through the vegetation to view the waterfall they see the giant primate watching them from the rocks. These guys appear to be German in the same way that I appear to be Swiss. Like, not at all. Now, they don't have names, so I'm going to call one of them Hans and the other okay. Gruber. Now, I'm going to, uh, going to have to warm up to this. 
Yeah, full my fear. Mein Gott, look at the size of him. Look at his eyes, says Hans. He has no fear. The other guy, who is apparently the kind of person you wish you hadn't brought along, <laughs> yes, pulls out a Luger that I'll teach it some. He fires, and he's a cracker shot because he shoots the papaya out of the primate's hand. Who shoots a monkey's uh, fruit? Oh, you want to shoot the monkey in the fruit? You don't want to do that. It's going to make him angry. To be honest, he wasn't aiming for the fruit. He was aiming for the monkey, and the guy knocks his hand away. That's true, yes. The primate does not look impressed. He's just messed his dinner up. I know, it's like someone has spilled your beer. Exactly. It's that kind of face. Exactly, I'd leap through the air screaming as well. Well, I wouldn't, I wouldn't yeah. leap, obviously. No, 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 you'd stagger over. I'd stagger over, yes. <laughs> and then stop halfway because you have to go take a pee. <laughs> and then fall on top of the person. Oh, actually, no, you can't do that these Whoa, days, can no, you? No, 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 what? <laughs> yeah, move on. Hans is annoyed. If the legend is true, this may be the Guardian. It's nothing but a monkey, replies Gruber. At this, the primate screams, showing great big teeth. I guess he doesn't like being called a monkey. He doesn't. Hans tells Gruber to back away slowly, but Gruber's an idiot and fires. The primate growls and leaps across the river towards them. What was with the, the strange anime background when it leapt into the air? Did you notice that? What kind of, I've watched this twice now. What anime background are you describing? It's just a monkey leaping over the river. Um, they do a, a kind of a close-up shot of the monkey leaping in the air. And you know when people jump in anime and they do that kind of like blurry, fast-moving background? I'm assuming they had to tinker with it so that it just didn't look like a bloke in a suit jumping. <laughs> I think that's probably the reason, yeah. Yeah, I yeah. think that's what it is, yeah. Gruber shoots again, hitting it. The primate falls into the river and tries to get out. Gruber continues to shoot, eventually killing it, and they watch it drift downstream. See, says Gruber, there's only a monkey. But then they see other primates heading towards them, many of them. Finally, Gruber comes to realise he's made a mistake. What do we do now, he asks. I think, replies Hans, we die. All the primates leap onto the two men, dragging them into the river. They rip Gruber apart, and as their lifeless bodies drift downstream, the primates roar in triumph. It's quite violent for an 80s family TV show, isn't it? This bit. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, we don't see any blood. No, but it's it's still quite... The implications there, it's quite nasty. Yeah, I mean, it's a good opening, right? Yeah, it is, yeah. If I was 10 years old watching this, I'd be like, Whoa! Monkeys ripping people apart. Yeah, and I think we were, weren't we? <laughs> Probably, yeah. 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 We cut to Jake Cotter smoking a cigar and playing cards in a bar. It's hot and humid. The sounds of flies can be heard. His opponents are a German officer in full uniform who is known as Monocle. Played by uh, John Hillerman from Magnum P.I. Yeah, it's Higgins. Yeah, not the last Magnum person we will see. No, not at all. There's even a character later on that's... Um... Named after the the a character in Quantum Leap's named after as well, isn't there? Yes, there is. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and there's another well dressed card player. From Cutter seems a bit unease. The stakes are high. That's why uh, short butchers are no use, pal, because the stakes are too high. <laughs> Fifty dollars American. Are you sure you want to do this? Cutter asks his dog, who barks in response. The other players glance at each other as if Cutter is nuts. Okay, but you remember, this was your idea. 
He takes an eye patch out and puts it over the dog's head. He then lays what looks like a glass eye on the table, but it's opal with a sapphire center. Mm-hmm. The other players examine the eye, and it is what Cotter says it is. One player, a one-armed sailor, so he folds his hand. Monocle doesn't. He lays money on the table and calls. Three beautiful ladies, smirks Cotter smugly. We cut to Jack, which is the name of the mm-hmm. dog, walking down the pier away from Cotter. Cotter is yelling at him. What are you blaming me for? I asked if you wanted to bet your eye. I asked if you wanted to bet your eye and you said yes. Jake barks twice. What do you mean no? I asked and you said woof, right? Jack barks twice again and walks away. But Cutter tells him to stay. One woof is yes and two woofs are no. Jack woofs once. Wait, what? what is no? Jack woofs once, then walks away. Cutter yells after Jack. Switching signals on me. You want everybody to think I lost your eye again? Well, it won't work. So he's obviously lost this eye quite a few times then. Sounds like yeah. it, right? You've got to say that the, the, the interplay between Cutter and the dog is fantastic. This dog's excellent. It is good. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, you think, though, he'd stop playing cards. He's clearly not very good at well, it. Well, he's not very good at a lot of things, really, is he, Cutter, as we see later on? He's quite rubbish <laughs> at most things. Well, like, you, you'd show me the points where he's rubbish. All right, okay, I will do. All right. Jack walks past two people arguing surrounded by their cargo remember Jack's a Mm -hmm. dog Sam and Sarah Sam is forcing himself on Sarah but she's trying to push him away saying it's too hot Jack sees them and growls Sam tells the dog to go away and picks up a crowbar Sarah stops him Sam grabs Sarah and Jack goes for his trouser leg and tries to fight Jack off and he's about to hit Jack with the bar when Cutter stops him he calls Jack off and apologises Sam punches Cutter yeah who says, well, I guess that makes us even. He asks her if she's all right, and she shakes her head. I guess we won't call it even. He punches Sam, and a fight breaks out between them. It looks like Sam is better at it, though. This is one of the things I'm saying. He's, he's not a great fighter, is he, Cutter? But technically he wins, but he doesn't because it's, there's cheating going on. Yeah, and he wins in the fight later as well, but he's losing. He's only lucky because, I mean, doesn't, isn't it, does someone tell him to use something later? That he didn't even notice was there. No, I thought he grabbed it because he dropped it earlier. But I think someone gestures to him to grab it. Oh, and he's, okay. he's getting he's getting beat down up to that point. Yeah, he is. And meanwhile, while the fight is going on, a voiceover starts, which is a similar idea to the one used in Magnum. It's very similar to, to Magnum. Yeah. In fact, there's there's a lot yeah. of um, there's a lot of Magnum. In Cutter, isn't there? Yes, and in other characters mm. too. Mm-hmm. And, and I've got to say as well that you you could you could imagine Tom Selleck playing this part. This is this is what I was going to ask you if there was anybody else you would see in this role rather than well the the, this ob- actor. the obvious you would yeah, see the obvious Selleck. one is Tom Selleck. Yeah, yeah. If I wasn't going to go with Tom Selleck, you know, I'd go with the actor who played Matt Houston. Yeah, I can see that as well. Yeah, I can see that as well. He's got that kind of um, yeah charm glint in his eye but also kind of a bit of an everyman quality to him as well yeah 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 i can see that mm-hmm. yeah so the voice over starts you may think this is silly but i've always had an urge to be a knight not in armor or anything but in spirit to fight a wrong and right it at this point cutter has the upper hand and gives sam a final knocking to the deck Somewhere around 13 or 14, it suddenly became an urge to save damsels in distress. 
As Cutter is walking away, Sam leaps on him and knocks him to the floor. I just wish that in all those stories they warn me about damsels wearing little straw hats. Because at this point, Sarah takes out a champagne bottle from their cargo and hits Cutter over the head. No, I, this I, this was very confusing until you find out what's going on later. Because there doesn't seem to be any motive right. as to why she does this at all. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So in that in yeah. that respect, it's quite good. Yes, I mean you, you're seeing it as yeah. he would see it, as Cotter yeah. would see it. Yeah. So we dissolve to Cotter waking up. Sarah is still there. She's annoyed at Cotter, even though, as he says, "Didn't I just save you from that masher?" There's a lot of like nine, late 1930s yeah. slang. Mm-hmm. She says that Masher was her manager and that she's handled his hot hands from Liverpool to Singapore to this two-bit island. So at this point, I was wondering about her <laughs> accent. Um, well, it's, it's interesting. Um, is she British? Is she South African? What, what, what? What's going on? Well, she's supposed to be British. But no, she's not. Because later, something is said that totally changes yeah, so that. that. that what, see, we're going to get ahead of ourselves here, but... Yeah, yeah. So, shall we leave it there? Then, when we get to maybe, it, we'll come all back. I say is maybe there's a reason why she's not very good at the British accent. Although you'd wonder why she didn't drop it. Though. Yeah. But okay, she says Sam has taken a clipper to Singapore and left with two suitcases, boxes, and an empty stomach. Haven't we all? We've all been there. You've you've been there. I have with two suitcases mm-hmm. and an empty stomach. Well, not often, but it's well, there's there's been a case. Waiting, waiting for a man. Waiting for a man at a train station. <laughs> Yeah, you've been there, have you? And 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 the guy had stole all your underpants, right? Yeah, it was called Briefs Encounter. Jake tells her his name and the dog's name, but he can't understand how Sam beat him. She reveals that she knocked him out with a bottle. Obviously, Cutter's annoyed. Mm-hmm. He picks up a box of the champagne. Sarah reveals her name is Sarah Stickney White. Mm. Of course, replies mm-hmm. Cutter. In asks her to give him a hand loading the plane. She refuses until he tells her that he's flying to Bora Gora. To what? Bora Gora. I thought it was Bora Bora at first, but then it changes to Bora Gora. Oh, it's always Bora Gora, and I just misheard in the first place. Could be either, really. All right. We cut to Cutter starting up the engines. One of them smokes badly. I mean, I don't mean it's lit a cigarette, it's choking, because engines don't do that. I mean, the smoke coming out that of it. That would be very surreal. Are they supposed it? to do that? That would be very surreal. It yeah. would be, yeah. Be like a, a cartoon that just starts <laughs> grabbing a cigarette, and then as it puffs out, the plane yes. takes off. <laughs> Sir asks Jack Burks once. That means yes. No, no, no. One Burke means no. Two means yes. Everybody knows that. So he's a little bit like mm. oh, at mm-hmm. this point. Jack heads to the back of the plane because he hates takeoffs. Again, that's funny. Every time the dog does anything, it yeah. makes it makes you smile, doesn't it? You I like the dog. It should have just. It should have been called Jack. Oh, if he had his own spin-off, that would be amazing. It would, mm-hmm. yeah. I mean, you're only gonna get like what four, five seasons before you know. <laughs> before he goes off to uh, <laughs> to run with his little friends in the in the paddock. <laughs> yeah. 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. The plane skids along the water, bounces a few times. Come on, fly! Urges Cotter. It just manages to climb into the air. Just missing the island. If you're going to have takeoff issues, why did he aim it directly at the island? When you can clearly see that the, the, there is water on either side of the island in the long shot, so you could have just gone around it. You can't no, go I mean, around point, it. If you're going to take off, you have to fly. You have to go in a straight line. Is, if you're going to take off, don't take off aiming directly at the island. 
aim to the side of the island and, and take think, off that I've, way. No, 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 dude. You have to fly into the wind. Do you? All right, yeah. I'll, I'll defer to your aviation knowledge, Colin. You have to fly into the wind, don't you? I've seen you. <laughs> I usually fly against the wind. Do you? Yeah. Somebody else's or your own? <laughs> Either. It's best to be downwind at all times, I find. Of who? Of what? Myself. Isn't it best to be upwind? No, if you're downwind of yourself, then obviously... Can't you be downwind of yourself? No, how can you be downwind of yourself? <laughs> it's coming from behind you. <laughs> you can't be behind yourself, can you? No, no. I suppose you can't. No. All right. <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how it works, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Meanwhile, Sam watches the plane fly away. He hasn't left after all. Monocle approaches him and asks if he has a light. And then stabs him. Yeah. On the subject of accent. Oh, go on. What do you think of uh, Hillerman's accent then? Better or worse than the two Germans, two quote-unquote Germans that we saw at the start of the episode? It's a weird old thing. Has he ever played his own accent? I don't think... I, I don't, Actually, no, I tell a lie. He's in an episode of Wonder Woman where he speaks with an American accent. Yeah. Okay. That's the only time I think I've ever heard him do it, though. Is it better or worse than his British accent in Magnum. Oddly, it doesn't sound that much different, though. Actually, I tell you, yeah, I've seen... He's in um, Blazing Saddles as well, and he uses a, his own accent in that. But, again, hmm. it, it, it kind of doesn't sound that different to what he does in Magnum. Even though you can hear that he's doing an American accent, because he's American. Right. But I, Isn't he from Texas? Probably, possibly, I don't know. <laughs> it, it's one of those weird things that you're so used to him doing... Higgins, that when you hear him speak in his own accent, right? It, it's that accent that sounds fake. It's his own accent that sounds fake. Yeah, it's fine. I think he provides the most comedic moment in this episode as well. Oh, okay, there's a there's a bit that I really like. Okay, you t- tell me when we get there. Yeah, well, clearly you didn't enjoy it that bit because <laughs> you can't remember it. <laughs> so we cut to a temple in the mountains. A bell chimes. A man in a German uniform called Willie approaches a guy called Todo, mm-hmm. who is dressed in a traditional Japanese outfit. You are late, says Todo. It was your boat that brought me here, replies Willie. Todo calls out that a ceremony takes place, a ceremony that involves a beheading. Willie looks horrified. He will never be late again, says Todo. <laughs> I, I do like um, Willie as a character. I think the way that he plays it... Oh, you... you do. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, I don't... <laughs> Don't isolate that. Oh, cutting that yeah. bit out, sticking it out on the end of the episode. <laughs> I like the character of Willie. Uh, <laughs> the the way that he plays it is is, is very funny because um, he's he's kind of just uh, you, you kind of get the feeling he's out of his depth a lot of the time in this. Right. Because mo- yeah. you're so used to play, you're seeing the 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 evil German character in in things like the Indiana Jones stuff done with the very sinister and they're always lurking around. This guy doesn't know what he's doing half the time, I don't think. No, mm-hmm. but yeah, that's true. So we see a snake rearing up, hissing, and a man waving at it. I, I don't mean he's going like, hello! <laughs> I mean, like, he's doing, like, almost martial arts movements, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. controlling his mm-hmm. breathing, waiting for mm-hmm. a moment. Uh, Willie enters and... Yeah, might rephrase that. The officer enters... And sees a beautiful woman. Her name is Princess Koji. Now, this actress played Magnum's wife in Magnum P.I. Oh, fantastic. She's also in an episode of Star Trek Next Generation as well. She plays the devil woman. Devil's Jew. That's the one. Well, you get a um, princess 
Adela vibe from her. Do you know what? I was just looking at a note and I and I actually wrote the princess and Toto remind me a lot of Princess Amad- Amadala and Killer Kane in Buck Rogers. Even the costumes, right? Yeah, because they have those weird um, uh, samurai warrior type costumes, don't they? And they, they use those helmets, don't they, in Buck Rogers? Yeah. Yeah. And and the relationship between the two seems similar. And even the relationship between um, the princess and Cutter, even though they don't meet each other in this episode, but but she's always talking about how she kind of finds him interesting, and and she would miss him yeah. if he wasn't around anymore. Right. So, which implies that they've got a history, which I presume they they they, they do meet each other in subsequent episodes. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe. Yeah. Who knows? Mm-hmm. Willie asks what the man is doing with the snake, and it turns out to be part of a test to become a Koji warrior. He must snatch a ribbon from the snake's neck. Princess Koji says some of her tests are not so difficult. Some are quite pleasurable. Imagine that guy's going, oh, why couldn't I get that one? Why did I get this test? He had to come in on a Tuesday instead of a Wednesday. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, that's true. Tuesday test. She offers them some sake. <laughs> She claims that the Willie's message said there was something beneficial for both of them. He asks if she has heard of the legend of the gold monkey. Koji laughs. Don't tell me that little wallpaper hanger in Berlin has fallen for that one. It's a good line. Willie? It is, yeah. Willie is annoyed by her insult to Hitler, but also very aware that there is a poisonous snake in the room. No, he's, um, he looks like he's bricking it, doesn't he? Yeah, so much so he could build a wall. She knows that a legend that there is a golden statue as big as a house in the mountains guided by giant monkeys, oh, and a Zulu tribe, and the Ark of the Covenant. Yeah, it's funny they got that one in there. Willie says that German intelligence believes the legend of the gold monkey to be true. He says they have coded messages from two German officers who were disguised as Dutch artists searching for the idol. They vanished while exploring an island they thought might contain the giant monkeys. He doesn't know which island Yet, because Berlin is sending the message via a secret courier. This is why I feel like 1938 is too early for Germany to be doing this, all this stuff. Yeah, I think they've got, they got bigger things to worry about at this point, haven't they? Like, uh, yeah. Yeah, it's just... Yeah, they, this is the kind of thing they got into as, as later, once they'd taken over everywhere that they wanted to take over. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And, and it's a little bit desperate. Yeah, yeah. I, I have to, I have to yeah. tell you of a, of a, a, a strange... I, I kind of misheard the line um, about them being Dutch, and I had to go back and listen to it. What did you think I, I they thought, said? I thought that she said that he's a butch. <laughs> butch, butch artists. artists. <laughs> I, oh, I only draw bridges. <laughs> I did. I really thought that that's what they said, yes. What do you draw? Sportsman. <laughs> Koji says that she has... Always considered Willie to not be the fool. She says if she finds the statue, she'll keep it. Willie says the Fuhrer will pay her five times what it's worth because the statue can withstand the heat of a volcano. Legend says that the monks that created it a thousand years ago blended a mixture of metals that can withstand heat and Germany needs such an alloy for rockets. Mm -hmm. If the gold monkey does not exist, Germany will pay Koji one million Reichsmarks for their trouble. She agrees to the deal. At this point... The warrior makes his move to grab the ribbon, but oh, ho, 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 he's too slow. The snake bites him, and he's dragged out. Ah, oh, too bad, says Koji. I would have liked to have seen how he furred in my other test. <laughs> I hope he didn't hear that as they were dragging him out, just just before he dies. I don't know. You don't know. The other test could have been like brushing the teeth of a tiger. 
We switch to Cutter. Sarah is telling him a life story. She's traveled around the world. She asks Cutter why he's there. He says, there's three things you learn living in the island. Don't ask a man his last name. Don't ask where he's from. And don't ask why he's there. He asks how she's going to get a ride on the clipper with just five bucks. She says Sam will have cooled off by then. But Cutter says Sam won't make the clipper because it's two days to borrow Gora and the clipper leaves in the morning. The next one isn't for two weeks. She doesn't know what to do for two weeks with no money. Cutter says he doesn't know how well she could sing, but she's a redhead and she's American. <laughs> yes, yes, that is true. He does say that, yes. Maybe he's hearing something that we're not hearing. Yeah, an American accent? Because I'm not hearing it. Possibly. No, neither am I. No, no. Which is strange because this actress this actress is American, yes. isn't she? Okay. So I don't know what's going on here. Hmm, it's very strange. Do you think there was a, 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 a change that was made at some point? Yeah, maybe. Maybe. You know, and, the, they, and they didn't adjust things in the episode to, to match. It's possible. Or, or I, at one point, I was like, well, maybe they're going for a Catherine Hepburn thing because she has a weird mm. an accent that's kind of transatlantic, right? In a lot of films. Mm-hmm. Could be. But I don't know. Could be. He says he can get her a job singing in the monkey bar. A friend of his named Louis runs it. Again, this is kind of like Rick's place in Magnum. He asks her to fasten a seatbelt as they head into a storm. Lightning strikes. Jack heads to the back of the plane. We get an, another narration here. So, uh, these narrations, I always thought Magnum's narrations were present tense, but these ones seem to be past tense. Yes, it's like he's, he's telling the story years later to somebody. Yeah, because he says, despite her tough outer shell, or perhaps because of it, I knew that Sarah Stickney White was putting on a brave front. Under it all, she was just a frightened little girl. One of the plane's engines stops. Then the part engine quit, and with her in the cockpit was a frightened little boy. I love when he looks around as well. It, it would be funny if the dog was strapping on the only parachute, wouldn't it? <laughs> <It's> just, <laughs> maybe he had his own parachute with like a picture of a bone on it. Yeah, that would be good. Cutter tells her he can't keep the plane in the air with all the weight. He tells her to go back and dump some cargo. She opens the door as the plane plummets, and she starts pushing items out, but the plane continues to dive. She continues pushing more things out, takes a monkey out of its cage and throws the cage out as the plane scrapes a mountain top. He says, throw everything out that's not bolted down. Lightning continues to strike. Plane starts to level out. He can't turn the goose because it'll stall. He continues to fly straight. The monkey hides under Cutter's legs. We cut to a man waiting at the dock. This is Corky, mm-hmm. Cutter's mechanic. He's talking to himself as he waits for Cutter to arrive. And Corky's worried because they're late. Back in the plane, Cotter manages to bring it down with one engine idles to the dock. Corky watches and grabs the ropes when it's close enough. Corky sees that Jack has lost his eye again and nags Jack about the engines because he knew the starboard carburetor would never hold. Sarah appears. She offers to buy Corky a beer. Corky likes her. You like anybody who buys a beer, says Cotter. That's familiar, Paul, right? <laughs> I have no idea what you're talking about. Again. Yeah, all right. He does. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> did Did you see the uh, the guest appearance of the boom mic as she was getting out of the top of the the aircraft? Oh, I didn't. I missed that. Yeah, blinking you'll miss usually, him, but but he made a guest appearance. I'm usually pretty good at seeing that kind of thing. Yeah. I must have been so engrossed. 
It, it is a it is a, a, a second and you'll miss it, but it pops in and then pops back out again. Oh, don't want that happening, do you? Cutter points out that he's working on the part engine and Cookie realises that the starboard carburetor did hold. Sarah asks for a hand of her luggage. Cutter's annoyed that she didn't throw it out earlier because, you know, he asked her to and they almost died. Now we cut to the monkey bar. Jack runs in and Louis gives him a bowl of beer. He's, well, he's got a bar tab. He's got a bar tab, hasn't he, as we find out? No, Corky's got the bar tab. I thought Jack had the bar tab. No, Corky's got it because he's the alcoholic. I'm sure he mentions that Jack's got one as well. Why would Jack have one? Well, he's drinking beer. He's not asking for it, though. The bar guy's giving it to him. (laughs) You can't pay for beer that the actual owner of the bar gives you free. Yeah, but is it free, though? I mean, Cutter has to pay for it, obviously. Why? He's not asking for it. If I came to your house and you gave me a beer and then you went, that'll be five quid, mate. I'd be like, well, I didn't ask for this beer. Why are you charging me for beer I've not asked for? Well, by that implication, if I said to you, if you came to my house and I said, do you want a beer? And you said yes, then I could charge you afterwards. Yeah, but the dog's not answering. The dog's not going, yeah. Hang on, hang on, hang on. He yeses and noes with his, with his roughing. Doesn't he? I'm not buying this. Two things I'm learning. This doesn't make sense, and I'm not drinking a beer at your place again in case you charge me. <laughs> I didn't charge you last time, Colin. Oh, I? I bet it's gone in a <laughs> book somewhere. <laughs> no. <laughs> so Ron Moody's French accent, then. What do you think of this one? It it it, it travels. It's not so much the accent as the the overall everything else about the character that that screams. Thank you. That screams stereotypical Frenchman. There's a lot of Zuta laws. Yeah, I, I mean, he couldn't be any more French if he had a, a string of onions around his neck. He's kind of an, an alo alo Frenchman, isn't he? Mm, yeah, I see what you mean. Mm. Yeah. Well, maybe French people were more French in the 30s. <laughs> Is that how it works? Further back you go, you get more whatever stereotype you are. So Corky asks for two beers and introduces Louie to Sarah. And the monkey from the plane clambers around the bear because apparently he was bringing it for Louie. That's kind of, I don't know, pet? Mm-hmm. Like mascot for the bear because it's called the monkey bear? Yeah, and he's got, he's got, he's got um, statues of monkeys all across the top of the bear, hasn't he? Yeah, that's true. Yeah, so, mm-hmm. all right. Meanwhile, there's a suspicious character waiting. Cutter enters the bear carrying an engine piece and the man approaches him. Corky suddenly remembers what he had to tell Cotter, but before he could say it, the man punches Cotter and he drops the engine part. Corky says, guess what? That's Bobby's husband. I thought it was very good of that stuntman to take Cutter's punch like that as well. It was brave of him, right? It's very generous. It was, yes. He stepped in at that moment there. Don't you wish you had that? Oh, absolutely. I'd, I'd, I'd never do anything. You'd be insulting everybody, left, right and centre, and then just as they're about to punch you, you'd be like, oh, hold on one second. Paul too. And he come in and I go, yeah, what's up? Uh, Could you take this for me? Yeah, sure. And then they just punch him. Thank <laughs> you. I, I wouldn't just use him for the violent stuff. I'd be sending him to work. Oh, no, no. He can only do violence. That's just oh. cheating. It's not a stunt double if he's just like doing what you do at work, which is put your feet up and twiddle your thumbs. <laughs> well, I, I could fall off the chair. That could happen. In fact, that oh. happened. So, yeah. What? Wait, you fell off a chair? I may have fallen off a chair, yes. 
how? Let's not go into it too much. Um, but I, it involved it involved leaning back too far and falling off a chair. Oh. More than once. Okay. Oh wait, so you didn't learn after the first? How old are you? Well, you know, you you you, you don't know whether you know you anything could happen, couldn't it? Did you? Yeah, that's why you don't do it. Did you think the center of gravity has shifted since the first time you've done it? It was a different chair. Wasn't the same. Oh, chair. is this how you test all your chairs when you get a new one? You see how far back it go before you fall on your ass like an idiot. I did it in the garden once as well. Well, it's like a test you do, like a pole mm. test. Seems to be. Yeah. Are they stamped? These chairs tested by Paul. <laughs> <laughs> Look, love, this one's tested by Paul. Oh, that'd be great. Don't gonna fall off that one, are you? <laughs> well, they're, they're clearly none of them are safe because I fall off all of them. So, oh, that's true. So nothing passes the test. Nothing passes, no. Strict. Carry on. <laughs> that was a strange one, wasn't it? <laughs> what are you mad for? Says Cotter. All I did was fly your wife around the islands to try and find you. I can explain. I wasn't lost. He says and punches Cotter. I, I like that Cotter's not much of a tough guy. I do like. Oh, that. right. It's kind mm-hmm. of like he'd rather get out of it a different way. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, but he will, like, defend himself. He won't just run away. Yeah, but uh, like we said before, um, I don't think he's that good at fighting, is he? Mm. That's probably why he'd rather not. Do you think that's an Indiana Jones thing too? Because Indiana Jones was never great at fighting, really, was he? No, but, but I, I do think that Indiana Jones is probably... Um, He's more of a tough guy than, than Cutter is. Mm. All right. I won't explain, replies Cutter and punches the man, but it has no effect. A fight breaks out. The patrons of the bear start taking bets on the outcome. As Cutter falls, he lands near the ancient piece and he takes it, clambers up and smacks the guy of it, knocking him out the bear. Although Paul suggests that someone gives him the idea of grabbing it. Yes, they do. I yes. can't remember exactly Sorry. who it is, but I'm sure they do. Yep. After the fight has subsided, he grabs a whiskey and dabs his wounded face. Mm-hmm. A preacher walks in. It's Willie Tenboom in disguise. Yeah, no way is he an evil Nazi. No, absolutely not. No, no. no. Jack growls at him. Dogs always know, pal. They always know. <laughs> I don't know what you want me to do with that, but <laughs> all right. So this preacher is here to convert the natives, and the reverend has a young woman with him called Tiki, who played a character on Magnum called Kiki. Oh, inventive. Clever. Yeah. She's also been in uh, The Next Generation, first season episode, Home Soil. Willie asks Tiki to prepare for Vespers. She says she'd rather prepare for blessings. All the guys look at each other and Willie says, oh, no, not now, and she leaves. Willie gives a speech about how pure and innocent the natives are, like Adam and Eve must have been in the garden. And that must be preserved. Sarah says that those must have been his Bibles we had to dump. Oh, Willie can't believe it. Lewis is also annoyed that his drink was thrown overboard. Sarah says they may be able to recover them because they dumped it over an island. Willie demands to know what island. Baku, says Cutter. A live volcano is there that blows every year about this time. Nobody goes near it. Surely great big crates of uh, uh, champagne would just smash. He's not going to get much of that back, is he? If he thinks he's going to recover something. No, he's not. It's not like there was parachutes or anything. No. It just went out. Yeah. Yeah. yeah it's gone. Mm-hmm. I mean, if like my grocery delivery service can't get eggs, 
from the truck to my door without breaking them. There's no way the champagne's <laughs> living through this. Yeah, you're right. You're right. And that's only very bitter, Colin. <laughs> <laughs> It's like it's like a potluck. How many am I gonna get today? I ordered twelve. <laughs> do, 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 do. Slowly opening the packet. <laughs> today you've got ten. <laughs> Nobody goes near this island, including me, says Cotter. Insurance will cover your lost goods, Louis, but not the goose or me. Louis seems to understand. Cutter tells Corky they have to leave. Outside, he shows Corky the engine parts. Somebody had put sugar in the engine. That's why they cut out, but they don't know why. Louis comes out and says that going to Baku would be, you know, doing God's work for those Bibles. But Cotter knows that Louis doesn't care about Bibles, just his drink. He still refuses to go. Louis then brings up the fact that Cotter owes him three months rent on his room and that Corky's bear bill is bigger than ever. I'm sure I heard it was the, the dogs. I'm sure I did. No, he says, he actually says, and this is a quote from the episode, Corky's bear bill is bigger than even Paul's Bergen Boo's loyalty points. <laughs> the Actual quote from the episode. Ah, well, that's where you're wrong, you see, because they don't do Bergen Boo's anymore. Ah. Well, no, but, but this is from the 80s. Oh, bugger. All right. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah, retrospection yeah, and all that, yeah. All yeah. Right. <laughs> He'll even give Cotter $200 bear credit. Cotter demands $300 cash, enough to get Jack's eye back and give Sarah a job singing in the bar. Louis reluctantly agrees. We cut to the dock at night. Corky's with Jack repairing the engine. And we get a narration. If you think I'm crazy to fly to Baku in the morning, then you're probably right. But you don't have a dog like Jack. That son of a gun can hold a grudge longer than any woman I've met. Corky is pleading Cotter's case with Jack. Meanwhile, Cotter is on the radio to a sailor out on a ship. He needs to talk to somebody on the ship called No Nose Wilson. The ship's not called No Nose Wilson. The person's called. That'd be a weird name yeah, for a ship. I thought that's a funny name for a ship, yeah. Well, what do you sail on? Oh, HMS No Nose Wilson. <laughs> oh, yeah. Does it, does it have a hooter? No, it doesn't blow. No Nose Wilson. <laughs> it's not a name for a ship, is it? No, it's not. No, it's not. No, it's not. It's not. Did you? Is that an attempt? Is that? Is that? Oh, that's horrible, Paul. <laughs> Corky continues talking to Jack. He says that Cotter will get his eye back. You've just got to have faith. It cuts to Reverend Willie entering a room. He sees Tiki. She says, "You give blessings now." Oh yeah, I give blessings now. <laughs> that's not something you want to say to a man in a dog collar, is it? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, no. But there's a knock on the door. He opens it. What can I do for you, my son? A shadowy figure hands him a Bible. Willie opens it to a certain page. It's all kicking off out there tonight, mon- isn't it? It's a mournful siren. It's like, oh, someone's died. <laughs> Willie opens it to a certain page and there's a swastika in the margin. The shadowy figure enters. It's monocle. Back at the dock, Cotter shouts for Corky. He heads over. He says that a bosun's mate on the Hancock, that's the name of the ship, mm-hmm. has Jack's eye and he'll give it back for $350. And they're going to anchor on the island on Friday. Jack clearly doesn't believe it. Yeah, might have to rework this a bit. Because I've got 
Jack clearly doesn't believe it. He tells Corky that he's going to check the maps. I don't think Jack does do that. <laughs> this dog's super intelligent. He's checking maps now. No wonder the net can't find where they're going. Fucking dog's doing the maps. <laughs> he's, like, he's like, oh, Jack, I see you've done the... Why are the, why are the maps... Oh, the maps are just from tree to tree. That's how he plans his routes. He would work in this show, though, I think. I guess he was. What, if Jack's doing all the, all the mapping? Yeah. Yeah, just pointing at things and going, rough. <laughs> yeah. Uh, so Jack clearly doesn't believe it because the dog just walks off. Mm-hmm. Cotter tells Corky that he's going to check the maps. And does he want anything? Yeah, a couple of beers. But Cotter gives him a look. And Corky sheepishly says, I know. But Cotter cheers him up. But I remember that he picked up some American chocolate and hands it to him. Oh. Cocky hasn't had any American chocolate since they flew some nuns to a leper colony. Now that's an episode you want to see. <laughs> it is. It is. They went to the, the leper colony and then Cocky went to pieces. Oh. <clears throat> Do you think they were sexy nuns? Well, they weren't sexy lepers, were they? So. No. Are they sexy nuns? I think you're going out on a limb. <laughs> it's, it's all right to do leper jokes, right? Uh, I think it's I think is it's it passable. T- is that okay? I think it's passable in this day. It's passable. Yeah. All right. Yeah. Okay. I mean, they still exist. They still have leprosy. <laughs> what are you looking at me like that for? Yes, they do. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Okay. I'm not a doctor. You Go know. to ask. Oh, I, oh, I know. <laughs> <laughs> I've never examined you, Colin. I've never. <laughs> That's good. Yes. No. Cutter asks if Jack is coming. But Jack ignores him. Cotter leaves and Corky says that Jack could be really unfair. Jack, the dog, I should point out, because it gets confusing, yes. feeling guilty, runs after Cotter. Now we're back with Monocle and Willie. So Willie and Monocle meet secretly, and Willie's annoyed about the Gestapo sabotaging the plane and losing the Bibles. Bibles he needs to find the secret island. Monocle says that he didn't know about the Bibles and that his orders were to kill an American spy. Monocle says that he doesn't have to answer to Willie, but Willie replies, We shall see about that. The, the, the bit I like is like, Willie's annoyed because Monocle is wearing a full German uniform. And he's like, Why are you not in disguise? And he's like, But I'm in the Gestapo. We don't wear uniforms. This is yes. my disguise. <laughs> yeah. That's that's quite. That, I like that. That. Is, that is quite good. We get lots of um, dumb coughs from Willie, don't we? In this bit, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and then, as you say, he 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 asks him why he's wearing a, a naval uniform, and he he tells him that you know we don't have uniforms, like you say. Um, <clears throat> yeah. I'm sure Gestapo's do have uniforms, though, don't they? It's only because he's a spy. Wasn't the Gestapo the secret police? Yeah, but police? They wore the, they're the ones that wore the black ones, aren't they? With the with the armbands. I, I have to admit, I'm not on up on my Nazi uniforms as you are. <laughs> I, had the, I had the Nazi action man when I was a kid. Did you not have him? Oddly, I, no. I, 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 had, I no. had the Gestapo officer uh, action man uniform when I was a child. I know it was a strange, granted it was a strange Gest- one, yes, but... Um... A Gestapo yes. action figure. No, it wasn't a Gestapo action figure. It was a Gestapo uniform. <laughs> you just said it was. That's no, why you described it. It was a uniform it. that you could put onto your action man. Did you, what did you do? Just have it interrogating poor, terrified civilians? <laughs> I 
I think I used to reenact uh, a scene from a scene. Oh God! No, don't. a scene. No. This this could be dodgy. <laughs> no, it was a Schindler's List. I think I used to reenact reenact oh. a scene from uh, Where Eagles Dare, actually. Oh, I, all right. That's that's safer than what I thought you was going to go. I'm sure with. it was. I mean, to to to, to my child childish mind at the time, a Gestapo officer was just a a comedic German from uh, Raiders of the Lost Ark. Yeah, I suppose so. Mm-hmm. Well, he gets onto his radio to Berlin, and we get a look at his quarters. Now, he's either the worst spy in the world, or he he just never has visitors. As not only does he keep his uniform just hanging on a hook in the corner, um, but he has a huge portrait of Adolf Hitler on the wall. Ah, but this is not like in his. Me- this is a secret room. Yeah, but it's a bit. It's a. It's taking a risk, isn't it? Yeah, but it's like your secret room has posters of male models everywhere. It's just the same kind of thing. <laughs> no, superheroes, Colin, superheroes. Uh, I did like the gag when uh, Monoclus takes off his hat right in front of the portrait of Hitler and they look exactly alike. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Quite a funny this, is the, this is the most comedic scene in the whole episode. Ah, is this what you're talking about? Yeah, yeah. this is like, and, it, and of course it's his scene, yeah. Ah, so I didn't miss it then. Cutter is uh, on the veranda, arguing with Jack, the dog. Cutter goes to open the door to his room, but Jack's growl warns him that someone could be inside. Cutter presses Mm. his back to the wall and nudges the door open with his foot, gesturing to Jack to, you know, you you go in first. But Jack, uh, he turns his back on, he's not having anything of this, and he just uh, walks away. No way am I going in there, sunshine. I get the feeling that if you and I were ever on a robbery, that would be the situation where I'd be like, yeah, you go in and you just go, nah, and walk off. Uh, I think it would be the other way around, Colin, don't you think? No. Well, actually, yeah, because I'd be the mastermind who just sends minions like you out to do it. Actually, I... I'd be no, back at base. I, I, actually, no, you were right the first time. I don't like that. So you were, <laughs> you were right the first time. <clears throat> We'd be a perfect team. I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, we really no, wouldn't. Um, Cutter dives in, only to be pounced upon by a woman. It's Bobby, the wife of the guy that he had the fight with in the bar earlier. She throws herself yep. at Cutter. But he's kind of annoyed that she lied to him about the whole business with her husband, etc., etc. But she's not going to take no for an answer. She's all over him like a rash. Oh, and you've had a few of those in your time. They clear up eventually. Suddenly, Sarah knocks at the door. Cutter tells Bobby that if she keeps quiet while he gets rid of her, she can spend the night. Ooh, Brucey bonus. Guessing at this point that the writers are going for some kind of, that kind of 1930s screwball comedy thing with this scene. Oh yeah, door slamming, wrong rooms. Yeah, that kind of thing. You can imagine this Cary Grant and Catherine Hepburn or something like that, can't you? Which, you know, the Cary Grant thing goes back to the film. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. Yeah. Sarah tells Cutter that Louis offered her a job and that he was right about the boat not being in till tomorrow. She clearly wants to be invited into the room. And although Cutter says goodnight, it's obvious that he'd rather be with her than with Bobby. I'd rather spend the evening with Jack. You know, platonic, but... (laughs) He could drink you under the table. Mm. Probably could, yeah. Well, he'd have to. He's short. (laughs) Yes, he would be. Yes. It's only only a Jack Russell. I mean, Cutter puts on a shirt and says to Bobby, I said you could spend the night, but I didn't say I'd spend the night with you. She slaps him and she storms out. That's a good, I, I like that bit. It's a good moment. Yeah. 
Yeah. He still wins because he didn't want to spend the evening. No, he was anyway. looking for an out, wasn't he? And, he, and then Sarah yeah. presented him with one. As she walks past Sarah's door, Sarah opens it, thinking that it could be Cutter coming back. But Bobby angrily tells Sarah that she can have him now. I'm done. Sarah angrily goes back into her room and starts shouting at herself that it serves her right. You're here to do a job anyway, not hang around with a what is an oversized gorilla or something like that, she says. Something yeah. like that, yeah. yeah. Then she opens her suitcase, you know, the one that she definitely wouldn't throw out of the aircraft earlier. Yeah, that we presumed was just full of clothes because, mm-hmm. you know... That's what we would presume in but this age. But it's not. It's got a little secret compartment in it, and inside is a special radio device. I think we know where this is going at this point now. Although, I'd forgotten that she was what we find out she is. So it was kind of, it was kind of, it was kind of new. Ah. I wasn't expecting it. Right. We cut to an Allied ship, and Sarah is communicating with them about the Germans seeking the island, and Cutter's voiceover explains that. Although he didn't know it at the time, Sarah was an American agent. American agent, as you say. Yeah. And I, I forgot to mention that when Louis in the Monkey Bar is making the deal with Cotter about giving her a job, he refers to her as an American as well. Everybody's <laughs> referred to her as an American. It's, it's just a strange choice. I, mm. I still think yeah. that maybe somewhere along the way there was a change. And they'd already done so much at that point that they, they just left it. I think there was a change somewhere. But if you're an actor and you're like, you're a redhead and you're an American, you'd be like, hold on a minute. Why are you doing that accent if you're an American? You think that would... But then maybe they just went, shut up, carry on, do probably, your lines. Probably. It's costing, it's costing yeah, money. Yeah, probably TV at that, you know. Yeah. Sarah tells the ship that she can explore the island and asks if Sam will join her. But the ship's captain sighs. She doesn't know, he says. And then he tells the operator to send the message. Sam was killed. Sarah is grief-stricken. When was he killed, then? Monocle stabbed him. Oh, yeah, of course he did, yes. It's morning. Cutter and Jack watch stock footage of a plane taking off. We'll take her home someday, Jack, he says. There's a lot of stock footage from this point, isn't there? Yes, there is. Yeah. But I'm pretty sure that some of this stock footage is even in black and white of this plane taking off. It wouldn't surprise me. <laughs> maybe, maybe, maybe his eyesight happen. went a bit, uh, a bit weird for a second. Yeah, um, maybe. Yeah, maybe it's just a, uh, you know, a lot of cloud. Yeah, go fog. with it. I'll go with that. Sarah runs onto the dock. She wants to go with him to the island. Cutter is reluctant and notices that it looks like she's been crying, but she just dimis- dismisses it and says that it's allergies. Would you believe her? I, I probably wouldn't. Yeah. Uh, t- no. Notice you wouldn't notice she'd been crying, would you? You wouldn't have a clue now. Sorry, I, I, forget I, that. I was yeah, actually going to say I'm not sure I would care, but I don't know which is worse. So <laughs> we'll leave it there. Oh. So they meet up with Corky, who says that the goose is as good as new. But as Cutter climbs inside, Corky remembers that he has something to tell him, but he just can't remember what it is. How do you feel about this Corky character? He's kind of a bit of a liability to keep around. And he doesn't see... He, yeah, I mean, we we find out why he's yeah. kept around, but I'm, I'm not sure he's... He's not... I'm trying to think, like, who he's supposed to be in other other things. He's like the, the tweaky to yeah. book kind yeah. of thing. But it's just something not... 
it doesn't work as well as you've seen in other TV shows. I don't know whether it's the actor, the I, performance. I think, I think or some of it is what? the way that he plays it. I think he does play it slightly odd at times. Yeah. 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 It, it, yeah no, it doesn't work. I mean, you can't even say that he's comic relief because he's not funny. He and no. I don't mean that that he's trying to be funny and he's not funny. I mean, he doesn't have any funny lines. He's not being funny at any point. No. He's kind of sad. Yeah. Just 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 this like slightly overweight hanger on to oh, someone else who's better. Yeah. <laughs> no, I I yeah, there's something about it. It doesn't No, no, no. I, th- doesn't I think work. I I think you're right. I think of the main characters, he is the weakest link. Yeah. Hmm. Cutter climbs into the plane and he finds that Monocle is sitting in the cockpit. Monocle apologizes and says yep. that he's heard that Cutter wants Jack's eye back. You gotta really be careful when you say Jack's eye, don't you? <laughs> you do in this program. <laughs> yeah. World of trouble yeah. there. Monocle says that he can return the eye if Cutter will fly him to his ship. Fritz, says Cutter, you got a deal. But he knows that Fritz is lying at this point. Well, we, we, we find that out in a minute, don't we? When he tells Sarah that he, he doesn't yeah. trust him. Later, yeah. Toto, now in full samurai outfit. Oh, he's he wearing is... full Bushido armor in the middle of a frigging yes. jungle we... island. That's not... That's got to be awkward <laughs> and hot, right? What's the point of that? What what purpose does that serve? I, I, I just think that it's probably a shortcut for the audience, isn't it? That's all it is. Oh, like, rem- remember, exactly. Japanese. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, yeah, he's Japanese. He's someone who probably spends a lot of time in those South Pacific islands who would know better than to wear a full Bushido armor in a jungle island. That, that, that's a question that I was going to ask you later, but I'll ask it now. Is this show racist, do you think, in many ways? Not just for the Japanese characters, but uh... you've got the German stereotypes, you've got the French stereotypes. It wouldn't fly today, would it? It just takes... Sh- no, it wouldn't. Yeah. It takes shortcuts. I think it just because it needs to get, like, this is what this person is, and it's trying mm. to get that message across as quickly as possible, so it's relying on stereotypes yeah. to do yeah. that. On the one hand, it, yeah, it, 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 you wouldn't get away with it today, but on the other hand, it, 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 I don't think it's... How can I put it? Without sounding terrible. It, it isn't coming at it from a... a, a, a a terrible angle i don't think it's not i don't think it's i don't think it's trying to be racist no and and, and it's not making these characters bumbling yeah. they're all smart and you know achieving what they would except maybe the nazis are not that smart but no one cares yeah and I, and I think that that you have to be careful not to look at, at, at old tv shows like this from a modern standpoint where no they get 12 episodes to tell a long form story and they have the time to 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 show you who these characters are right. back then they they had the 50 minutes yeah. or whatever and they had to get to the point didn't they so possibly the only way to do that was to be slightly more on on the nose with 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 who they are you know yeah um so I, we should be thankful at least they employed asian actors for most yes, of those yes because roles. It, it's 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 worse when they don't. <laughs> yeah, it is. And we've yeah. both seen that in, in many things, haven't we? Uh, yep. So Todo, as I say, in his full samurai outfit with other warriors with him, uh, with Willy, now in his German Scoutmaster uniform. Well, that's what it looks like. <laughs> You're just laughing at Willy, aren't you? 
Well, it, it, she said you said the, the dressed in full samurai uniforms with Willie. <laughs> it's just like the yeah, the Willie's got a samurai uniform as well, just a little, little one. Sword. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, they're, yeah. they're all out on a ship looking for the island. I need to grow up. That's Not what we're all. saying. Not right? at all. <laughs> I'm sure our listeners okay. wouldn't want you to right. Uh, the princess says that it better be out here, as she's grown quite fond of Jake Cutter. Again, shades of Buck and Idala. Willie says Absolutely. that Monocle is supposed to get Cutter to fly around, just keeping him away from the island, and admits that uh, he too has grown quite fond of having Cutter around, even if, as he suspects, he's the American agent. So everybody thinks that Cutter's the American mm. agent at this point. How would that be possible? He's so, like, useless. I know. It could be an act, though. Yeah, that'd be an amazing act. That That's like Oscar-winning <laughs> performance. An Oscar-winning performance, oddly, is something that Stephen Collins will never see. No. Again, Google it if you're interested or not. They sail towards the island, and Toto teases Willie. Go on, get it out of your system. <laughs> Go on. <laughs> oh, Go on, carry on. He's like working with Beavis and Butthead. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Rolled into yeah, one. Yeah. yeah. Teases Willie about about when the... He got me laughing now. Teases Willie about when the volcano could erupt. Cutter is flying monocle towards the island of Baku with Sarah, Corky and Jack in tow. Oh. I mean, on, they're, I mean they're, on, they're on the airplane. They're not hanging off a cable at the back. For some reason, when you said Jack in tow, it was so close to like Krakatoa and volcanoes <laughs> that my mind just went at an angle then for a weird reason well, it's understandable in this and by the way if you do tease a will it does make a volcano erupt just point that out thank you for the uh, public information service there yes oh, thank you you're welcome <laughs> Corky keeps getting on Cutter's nerves as he keeps fiddling with the controls yeah because he's because he hasn't had a drink for ages so he's nervous and shaky and agitated he's you know I don't know what that's what that is like. Well, you wouldn't. You have to stop drinking. Cutter shouts at Corky and sends him back into the plane, much to Sarah's disgust. So she thinks that he's just been nasty to Corky, doesn't she? Yeah, it's annoying because she doesn't know any the backstory to their relationship or how it works, and she's just seeing it mm. from that one section. Yeah, she's making judgments. Yeah. yeah. This was the moment when I realised that Corky was an alcoholic. Oh, okay. This was the moment. I, I, I just presume... And I think some of it goes to, as we said, the weird performance that the actor's giving. Right. I thought I thought maybe he had sort of... I just thought maybe he had mental problems or... Because he's always forgetting things as well, isn't yes. he? Yes, so, yeah. And then I realised he's an alcoholic. So there yeah. you go. Sarah argues with Cutter about Bobby being in his room, and Cutter tells her that he thinks that she's jealous. Suddenly... Cutter asks for a makeup mirror and he fixes it to the panel in front of him on the dashboard. That's, yeah. <laughs> is that what yeah. it is? Yeah. I don't know. Cockpit, yeah. Yeah. So that he can watch Monocle back in the plane. He confesses to Sarah that he isn't flying Monocle where he wanted him to go. He's just kind of flying him around and they're really heading towards the island. He thinks that Monocle may have something to do with the sabotage of his engines yesterday. Because they think he might be a German. <laughs> he might be. 
<laughs> Maybe, yeah, yeah. I, some clues. Isn't though he? he I know he's wearing he's wearing a German uniform though, isn't he? I know it's yeah. not a Gestapo uniform because obviously, as you it's, said, it's his disguise. But it is a German naval commander's uniform, isn't it? Yeah, but it's 1938, and so, there's no war. Well, yeah. America's certainly not in it. Yeah. But in '38, the the war hadn't started anyway. So well, they they towards the end of '38, they'd started annexing. Yeah, there was a little bit of argy bargy going on, wasn't there? Yeah, and I, and yes, I did, I did just <laughs> just described World War Two as a bit of an argy bargy. <laughs> Cutter thinks that he's figured out that Sir is the spy, and that pretty soon Monocle will realise he's double crossed him. I don't fight well, sir, he admits, especially when I don't know what I'm fighting for or who. It's a good, good line. line. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I like it. Toto, meanwhile, is hacking his way through the plastic foliage on the island with his uh, yeah, katana. That... Yeah. I said, I said katana, you see. Highland is always useful for something. It is, that's true. Yes, taught you many of things. He did. Uh, Willie and uh, the princess are with him as well. Although I have to say, that ponytail and trench coat look that you tried to rock in the 90s, yeah, <laughs> wasn't, wasn't a good idea. I think you're probably right, actually. Suddenly they hear a strange cry from the forest. These islands are filled with strange animals that no one has ever seen, says the princess. That is not a word of a lie. It's not. <laughs> <laughs> Suddenly one of Toto's samurai warriors comes running from the trees. He's carrying one of the Bibles. But Willie's distraught that Genesis has disappeared from the book. It's been torn out. Oh, no. What's Phil Collins going to do now? <laughs> he has to move on to his solo stuff. Yeah. yeah. Oh, that's okay. Apparently, the illustration of the Garden of Eden in the chapter is a painting made by one of the missing soldiers from the island. We must find one of the Bibles in order to find the island of the monkeys. Squeaks Willie. You gotta say, this is a very long-winded way of passing messages to each other. Just, just radio each other. It's nice. If you'd called them and gone, oh, you know that island, monkeys there, you'd be done. like, oh, got it. Yeah, job done. Job done. Yeah. How was he? What? I mean, so did, was every single Bible? Did every single one of these Bibles have the same illustration? Is that what he's saying? I don't know. I'm not sure how this works. It did confuse me. Yeah, it is a bit strange. No, we don't, exclaims Toto. As suddenly, monkeys, and again I use the word very loosely, jump from the trees. Oh, you, sh- and... you should use the word loosely because they don't like being called monkeys. They don't. They jump from the trees and they attack them. And this is where we get lots and lots of shots of monkeys running directly into the camera. Yeah, they don't like cameramen either. They seem not to, no. Dave Attenborough wouldn't be welcome on this island, would he? Did you just call him Dave Attenborough? Dave Attenborough, you know. That's how I've got him oh, on my I phone. I didn't know you... Dave. Oh, really? To the rest of us, it's Sir David Attenborough, but to you, it's Dave. Yeah, Dave. All right, Dave. Are you sure you'd be calling the right Dave? <laughs> well, when I asked him about the strange monkeys on this island, he, he didn't know anything about them, I have to say. Ah, I wonder why. Yeah, maybe it's wrong. Yeah. They fight off the monkeys with guns and incredibly blunt swords. Did you notice that? They were hitting the monkeys and <laughs> leaving not a single mark on their bodies. You don't want to damage those suits. they got to go back. Yes, they do. Yes. Um, but the guards are killed as the monkeys chase Toto, Willie, and the princess off into the jungle. Can I ask a question? Yes. This island has a volatile volcano that erupts, it seems, the same time every year? I guess so, yeah. 
How do these monkeys survive? Ah, well, we find out how they survive, don't we, at the end? Oh, do we? Okay, yeah. looking forward to that. Yeah. Back on the goose, Sir admits to Cutter that she is an agent. Back on the goose. It's <laughs> <laughs> a, a phrase you don't hear that often, right? It sounds like the uh, the subtitle after the title of a movie, doesn't it? Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> like Cutter's Goose Two. Back on the goose. Yes. <laughs> Ah, oh, it sounds like a vegetarian that's just, you know, given up. Oh, you're, you're back on the goose, I see. It's just like... Nom, nom, nom. Yeah, have you heard about Tony? He's back on the goose. Yeah. <laughs> Woof. Yeah, straight past duck. Didn't even look at chicken. Back on the goose. Heard stuff. No messy. Time cut. Yeah. When he goes bird, he goes bird. <laughs> that sounds like a tagline. <laughs> <laughs> for uh for for cutter's goose too mm-hmm. when he goes goose he goes goose <laughs> when he goes bird he goes bird cutter's goose too this time he's giving you the bird in the back of the plane cutter notices through the mirror that monocle is attaching a silencer to his luger why is he using a silencer uh, because he doesn't want the uh, monkeys to hear. <laughs> they don't like Lugas. That... Remember, All right. they got PTSD from previously. Also, I hope that Monocle knows how to fly a plane, because I hope he's thought this plan fl- through. Yeah, because he's Gestapo, and then mm. he's got a Navy uniform. Mm-hmm. There's nothing aeronautic in his history. Mm. Yeah. Maybe he thinks he could sail the plane back. <laughs> if he can just get it down onto the, onto the ocean, and then he can sail it back. Yeah. Unfortunately, I think yeah. getting it down onto the ocean involves crashing it, probably. Yeah, that, that's an interesting point. I didn't think of mm-hmm. that. You're right. It's not a good plan. Unless you're just going to threaten them. But it's one of those weird... It's like one of those weird threats because you're like, you, you don't land this plane, I'm going to shoot you. Mm-hmm. And you're like, well, you shoot me, we're going to land pretty quickly anyway. So yeah. Yeah. go ahead. And, and, and it's like either that way... TJ Hooker scene. Yeah. <laughs> yes it does yeah. where he's hanging off the biplane and he points the gun at the pilot yeah. and he's like land this plane you're like what are you going to do shoot me <laughs> that is a classic moment though it's a classic hucker moment yeah it is um, but either way attaching the silencer is redundant no matter which plan he's going for really yeah yeah because yeah, who's going to hear exactly exactly yeah and he's and if he's going to kill one he's got to kill them all if he's just going to threaten them with the gun then he doesn't need to put the silencer on it does he Maybe he's just thoughtful because Jaxie is a uh, hypersensitive, so didn't want the loud bang to sc- Maybe he loves dogs. Could be. Yeah. I, ah, but yeah. we know he doesn't later, this don't is... we? Oh, that's true. Mm. Yeah. Makes no sense. So he advances towards Cutter. So you got you got to admit we did try. We did our best. We did more. <laughs> we did, yeah, we really worked to try and make it. We worked harder on it than, than they did when they wrote it. So, yeah. 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 So he advances towards Cutter, but Jack smells a rat, and he latches onto Monocle's leg. I, I mean, he bites it. It's not a rat. He bites it. Not you know the other thing that dogs do on legs. What humps yeah. his leg? Also, he smells rat and then bites a leg. It's not a rat. That dog's not very good. <laughs> it's supposed to be a terrier. <laughs> its job is getting rats. It would be. Yes, that is true. Yeah. Very true. It's like, oh, is that a rat or a leg? Ah, I can't tell. It is. He got one eye. That's true, yeah. It looks similar with one mm. eye, right? Hang on, exclaims Cutter, as he sends the plane into a steep dive. He tells Sir to take the stick, and he leaps back onto Monocle and punches him out. 
Suddenly, black smoke starts pouring from an engine. And Corky, who has been sleeping up to this point, asks what happened and if the starboard engine has quit. The plane starts to fall from the sky, but Cutter jumps back into the cockpit and wrestles the controls, somehow managing to land the goose near the island. We do get a nice effect shot of the, the plane flying towards the island. I did thought it, I did think it looked quite good. I mean, it clearly wasn't real, but... Yeah, I mean... The... Right. Yeah. I mean, the, be- the best... Yeah, it was the nice. The best effect shot is, is the last shot of the episode, I think. Well, you'll have to remind me when and we I get will. there. Suddenly, there's an explosion. The volcano is starting to blow. Well, stock footage is, at any rate. Lots and lots and lots. Well, it's hard to film a volcano yeah. exploding. Monocle jumps out and swims ashore. Corky apologises, saying that he just couldn't shoot a man in the back. On the island, the villains are still fighting off all the monkeys, who are still running into the camera very fast. Yeah, hate cameramen. But they must make it, as we suddenly cut to the shore, where the princess is already inside a small boat, and the others are climbing aboard. It it was a weird cut. Oh, well, they didn't have cameras, so the monkeys weren't interested. (laughs) Is that right? Okay. Yeah. That's how it works. We, it's just we, we go from them running through the jungle and then suddenly they're on the beach. Well, it's like, you know, five minutes left moving, of the yeah. show. Yeah, speed it up. They pull away, but Willie is determined to stay and complete his mission for the fatherland. That is until more eruptions happen and then he sets off running after the boat. It's a very sort of cartoonish moment as well. He kind of like goes as he turns away, doesn't he? Well, he's been pulling a lot of cartoony has, faces throughout this episode. But he's not terrible. I didn't think it was terrible. It was fun. On another piece of the shore, Corky is working on the damaged engine. Cutter tells Sarah that he's going to go and look for Monocle because he couldn't leave him just to die on the island. Why? Yeah, I don't know. I guess that's his conscious kicking it. Conscious? Consciousness? It's because Conscience? he's an Conscience. upstanding yeah. guy. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, unless, unless someone's yeah. punched him. Then he's not. Now this this no. next bit is a bit problematic, maybe. I mean, I, not in term, not no, in terms I... of when it's set, I suppose. So she wants to go with him, but he says no, and that if she doesn't do what he tells her, he'll have to take her over his knee and spank her. Oh uh, yeah. He storms off, but Jack runs after him, and she runs after Jack. Suddenly, Jack barks at something. Oh my God! Exclaims Sarah. They found the skeletons of the soldiers from earlier in the episode. Very clean skeletons as well. Yes, well, those monkeys, they like to, uh, you know, wash the bones afterwards. Is that right? Well, they, they, they like bones, okay. you know. I know, I've seen 2001, yeah. yeah. Now, that's true, they're always chucking, chucking them, in the them air, right? yeah. And turning them into spaceships. Yeah, for no reason whatsoever. Well, I don't think they turn into spaceships. That's but not, that's, uh, clever that's not what happened in that scene. <laughs> I read it completely wrong, Colin. <laughs> uh, do you want me to explain 2001 to you? I, I can get about two hours into it, but the last 30 minutes, we're going to struggle. <laughs> I think everyone does, don't they? So she finds the skeletons and also... Now, is this a rolled up map or some kind of rolled up illustration of the island that they had? Let's okay, go with map. map. But she picks it up, and isn't it the, isn't it the one that they had in uh, the monkey bar yes. that they were looking at? But she picks it up, and then in the next scene, she hasn't got it anymore. Did you notice that? It's, it's a, a magic, magic map. map, right? Okay. Yeah, you didn't know that. Okay. Yeah, yeah. It it vanishes in signs of trouble. 
Oh, well, a bit like Highlander's sword, is that what you're saying? Yes, exactly okay. like that. She arrives at the waterfall yeah. and notices one of the monkeys perched on a rock surveying his land. Oh, which one? Davy Jones? <laughs> no, the other one. Oh, okay. Suddenly, more explosions rock the island. Everything shakes as fireballs, I use the term loosely, rain from the sky. Wait, oh, you mean fireballs, not fire no, fireballs. Okay, all right. Sarah watches as the monkey disappears into a cave behind the waterfall. But suddenly, Monocle grabs her from behind and hits Jack, knocking him out, the evil Nazi. You crossed the line Did you notice there. that all they did was reverse the footage of the dog getting up? Oh, did you want someone to actually smack the dog, you no. heartless bastard? <laughs> I'm you, no, I'm, I'm saying it's a bad performance. It's his only, it's his only bad performance in... in oh, the wait, what was the bad yeah. performance from it's the dog? It's his only bad performance in the episode. <laughs> oh, that dog, that dog, shit actor. <laughs> <laughs> take, his, take his sad card away. Doesn't deserve it. I don't it. want to break this to you, Colin, but that dog's probably not with us anymore. No, that dog is sitting in a old age pensioner home for actors with two patches on its eyes at home and he talking <laughs> he about said home though he said he's sitting in an old age pensioner <laughs> <laughs> talking about the good old days where he was in tales of the gold monkey and now he almost made it for the role of fraser not the actual fraser but you know the dog <laughs> in fraser because that'd be a that'd be a huge leap That'd be like dreaming above your standard if you thought you were going to be the lead character in a sitcom. But no, he thought he was going to be the dog in Frasier, but was beaten by this furry Jack Russell hey, was bastard. It wasn't the dog in uh, Hooperman a Jack Russell? <gasps> Wait. No, that's, that's, yeah, it's not going to be the same mm. one, though. Jack Russell seemed to be popular in They're very TV expressive, shows. though, aren't they? Oh, it had a lot of range. <laughs> Got a lot of range. A lot of dog range. Okay. All right. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Uh, can can you do uh, yeah, give me emotional, give me give me upset, give, give me distemper, distemper. I want to see distemper. <laughs> beautiful, beautiful, and cut. Rough. Hey, they could do uh, they could do a period piece because they come with their own rough. Cotter is still wandering through the jungle, avoiding the odd bit of fiery stock footage around him. Monocle ties Sarah up to a tree when the monkey returns and notices her. Why does he tie her to a tree? Well, he, Why he, he no, he's, he's using her to lure the monkey away, isn't he? <gasps> it's bait. Bright bait, yes, like King Kong. Exactly like King Kong. Oh, so okay. the monkey approaches her for a bit of uh, how's your father? And... Uh, Oh, come off it. The way that that monkey looks at her in a minute. He's, he's growling, and then suddenly he looks her up you and think... down, and he, he has a look that says, ooh. He does, oh, yes. does he do that? Ooh. Yes. <laughs> does he? I don't remember that bit. He's like, <laughs> he's like a carry-on monkey. I mean, there is a monkey in carry-on up the jungle. There is? And in many ways, a far more convincing monkey than this one was. I was actually thinking that after I said it. <laughs> so as the monkey is approaching the tied-up Sarah, Monocle uses the opportunity to go and explore further into the lagoon. The monkey growls at Sarah until she says, Nice monkey. And then he looks her up and down and actually gives her, as I said, a look of, oh, all right. 
Yeah, you think he'd be angry because she just called him a monkey. <laughs> yes, and, he, and as you said, he's not. He doesn't like being called a monkey. Yeah. Yeah. The monkey comes closer when Jack suddenly saves her from a fate worse than death, biting at the monkey's heels and chasing him away. So Jack's not hurt. He's all right. Yeah. Meanwhile. Yeah, he was. He was just knocked, knocked, out. knocked out. Meanwhile, Monocle is creeping into the cave. Finally, Cutter appears and finds Sarah untying her. In the cave, Monocle lights a torch and explores further inside. This is very Raiders, isn't it? This cave stuff. Yeah. Yes, it is. Yeah. He finds a, what looks like a rusted statue and laughs. So he, he think, they, they all think it's gold yeah. and it's just gone a bit green, don't they? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Because gold famously goes... I guess so. If it's green? been weathered a lot. I don't know. No, he's shaking his head at me. No. I did like how they really, really trying for that Raiders vibe, but can't quite manage it as the budget only stretches to one small lizard and a bit of a disinterested snake. You know, in Raiders we get all these spiders and cockroaches and, you know, and we right. got a lizard. So they're trying, you know, doing yeah. what they can. Yeah. yeah, I'm giving it a go. At the foot of the statue is a skeleton. Cutter and Sir creep into the cave. Monocle is about to lift the statue when Cutter interrupts him, and a gunfight begins as the cave begins to shake. Oh, the volcano's kicking Come on in. out, shouts Cutter, before we all die here. Slowly, Monocle steps out, clutching the statue. He drops his gun. You found the gold monkey, Sarah exclaims as Monocle drops it, distracting everyone. He pulls a knife and attacks Cutter. How does he not just stab him and kill him straight away? <laughs> he kind of lunges at him and they both fall down. Well, you know. Comedy Nazi. Comedy Nazi. They struggle. Or at least two stuntmen struggle. They both fall from the cave into the water below. Drowned and dead. End that of the would show. be a turn up, wouldn't it? She goes she goes would, back yeah. to Corky. And then, and, as we uh, said. They fly away. Yeah, but, but Corky's still not in charge. Jack's in charge Jack's and they set charge. up a detective agency. I'd watch yeah. that. Oh, actually, yeah. yeah. I kind of would too. Yeah, Jack's solving crimes. Be amazing. Yeah. Sarah struggles down, clutching the statue, but there's no sign of Cutter. Could he be dead? No, because the music erupts and he splashes to the surface in triumph. A lot of, a lot of lot eruptions of yeah. and splashing, but... Yeah. Hugs all around. And, oh, my God, she's terrible, isn't she? I mean, she is terrible, this actress. Yeah, we moaned about we moaned mm, about Karki, she's, she's, but... She's also not good. There's nothing about her that makes you, like, I don't know, be interested in... I don't know how to explain it. I think it, sh- it, it it's worse when she's playing against Cutter because the way that Stephen Collins plays it, he's the most naturalistic actor in the whole thing. Everybody else is doing kind of over the top all the time, aren't they? Maybe apart from Corky. Um, right. So when she's doing stuff with like Louis or the Nazis or any of that, it's fine. But when she's playing opposite someone who's 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 just doing something natural... It stands out even more and seems worse, I think. Because she's really overplaying everything. So if you had to choose uh, another female actor to play that role, who would you choose? I mean, the easy option would be Karen Allen, wouldn't it? Because she's done it before. Um, oh, well, yeah. Cause, yeah. Well, that's just but, a raid, um, At it? that time? Are, we, are you talking about at that time? Yes, yes. Um, Murray, is, it, is her name Murray Steinberg? From Back to the Future Three, is that her name? Um, I know who you mean. Yeah, I, like I think she could name. do. Okay. It. What about Jane Baedler? 
yeah, yeah, I can see that. Yeah, because she, she, no, yeah, actually, I'll, 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 I think that that's more accurate because Jane Baedler could play. She does that kind of confident thing, which you never get from this actress. Yeah, because that would be like a strong female character. Although, yeah, mm, maybe a bit too similar to Princess Koji. Yeah, I can see that definitely. Yeah, because she she's quite vampish, isn't she? Yeah. <gasps> oh, Paul's got one. I've got one that'll make you laugh. Linda Hamilton. No, that'll work. Yeah. Don't mind that. That yeah, that'll work. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And and of course, in the pilot, she should have dropped the British accent halfway through when he works out that she's a spy. Would make more sense all around. Yes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. But we're stuck with this person, so we got to make the best of it. Um, yeah. No time for love, Dr. Jones, as the volcano is erupting all around them. He gives Sarah the statue and tells her to head back to the goose while he finds Jack. But this doesn't change anything, he tells her. You're still getting that spanking. Oh, dear. Yeah. I mean, it occurs a lot in films from the 30s it, and 40s. It does. It does, yeah. Was it still occurring in films and TV shows in the 80s? I don't recall it, but then again, if they're going for that era, then it makes sense. Yeah, but there are there are some things you just don't need to bother. You don't no, you don't need to bother. It just it just feels odd. No. I think it just feels wrong. Yeah. Cutter swims off looking for Jack as Sarah bumps into Monocle's lifeless body floating in the water. So he is dead. We gone. we cut to a dry Cutter now with his hat back on. So he di- he, he oh, jumped yeah. into the water and swam away. He didn't have his hat on. And the next minute mm-hmm. we cut to him wandering no. through the jungle looking for Jack with his hat on and he's dry. Yeah, he went back for his hat, yeah. and it's really warm and, and dried on up. that island. Okay. It's tropical, Paul, and there's a volcano Very erupting, true. fiery. Very true. He's steam, yeah. steam dry. Yeah, yeah. Uh, steam dried. Found his hat. Okay, I'll go with it. He finds Jack in the jungle. Suddenly, a monkey gives chase. You know, it just—I just had a thought. All these shots of the monkey running into the camera—it's kind of like it's the kind of thing you would do if you were shooting something in 3D. Oh, I suppose it is. I see what you mean. Mm. Yeah, coming towards you. But in, when you watch yeah. it in 2D, it doesn't do anything. It, it just kind of looks silly. And I mean, the last thing they should the last thing they should be doing is giving us a close-up of that makeup, really, isn't it? Yeah, that's true. We get more volcanic stock footage as everyone runs back to the goose. Can they start the engines in time and escape? Of course they can. And they do. The volcano fully erupts as they fly away, watched by the princess and Willy from, the, from their boat. <laughs> Stop it. I'm only laughing because you're know, laughing. Don't blame that one on me. One should never rely on the Gestapo, says Willie. Later? No, you shouldn't. You shouldn't. Never rely on a Gestapo. That's something you should always live by. No, it's a good motto to live by, right? Yes. Later, back at the bar, Corky's cleaning down the statue as Willie enters. Back in his reverend disguise. Suck it up. No, <laughs> no, hang on. <laughs> uh, Jack growls. And Cutter wonders aloud why his dog dislikes the preacher so much. That's kind of annoying because he apparently has this uh, conversation with the dog and knows what the dog's thinking. And the, But for some reason, just this one thing seems to elude him that every time he growls at the reverend, he doesn't know why. At some point you go, I don't think you like this guy. <laughs> I wonder why. Yeah, yeah, but he never puts it together. Corky puts the gleaming idol onto the table and Louis offers only 200 francs for it, revealing that the idol is actually only made of brass. Willie can't believe it. Why don't you rub it and see, says Louis. It's always good advice. <laughs> yeah, it, it is. is. Yes. Yes. Especially from a Willie. For a Willie. <laughs> <laughs> Just... 
rub it and see. Corky just, uh, what's it? Oh, honestly, this is degenerated, isn't it? Cor- <laughs> it has Cor- a bit. Corky just wants to have a beer. You know, I like to say we're better than this, but... We're not. I know the truth. There's more coming. Corky just wants to have a beer. What? There's more Don't coming. say that. <laughs> I'm never going to get it out. Hang on. Uh, <laughs> oh, don't, don't. What is this? The innuendo session? There's more coming. You're not going to get it out. Corky just wants to have a beer. <laughs> As Willie rubs off. Oh, you're not going to be able to do this, are you? Corky just wants to have a beer as Willie just rubs away. Sarah is crying about Sam having died over a worthless piece of brass. I get a feeling that a lot of boys are going to be dying over things like that. Not before too long, Cutter tells her. Not if I can help it, she says. That's some of the best dialogue in the whole episode. Oh, you like like that bit? Yeah. Yeah, because I think it's um, it's the most heartfelt thing that, that... anyone said in the whole episode i think oh okay and it works because we know what's coming down the line in terms of right right willie admits that the statue is brass and leaves sadly to uh go and bless tiki yep bit more blessing more blessing jack meanwhile is still annoyed at cutter about his missing eye but cutter reassures him that he'll feel better once he retrieves the eye from the hancock unfortunately louis explains the Hancock has sailed for the Philippines already on emergency orders. So he's not going to get his eye back. He's it's not. going to be a continuing theme. It is, and, and I presume it does. Jack is less than impressed as Cutter begs Jack to trust him. Rough, replies Jack. And as everyone's... That one for yes. Yeah. And as everyone smiles, we cut to Willie at his room, where Toto and the princess are waiting for him. He tells them that the monkey was actually brass, much to their amusement. Maybe we were all cuckoo to believe such a lesson, smiles Willie. Yeah, I do like the fact that they find it amusing. Yeah, yeah. Well, there's nothing else they can do at this point, is there? It's like, yeah, yeah all right, yeah. It was just a daft idea. But we dissolve to the now extremely volcanic island, and there's a cave where the remaining monkeys sit. And we pull back, revealing an entrance shaped into the likeness of a monkey's face. A huge stone hand pointing outwards. There's more to the legend of the golden monkey. And this is the best shot, of, mm-hmm. the best effect shot of the whole episode, I think. It really works. Right, this is what, this is what you mentioned earlier. Yeah. And that's the end of the pilot episode of Tales of the Gold Monkey. Of the what? Gold Monkey. I thought you said bald monkey bold for a second there. <laughs> bald monkey. <laughs> I've been watching the wrong show. It's about a really confident ape. <laughs> I should have been watching that. Just this ape strutting down the street. <laughs> confident ape. You're going, hey, I'm the ape. <laughs> what are you? So, Colin, what did you think? Um, It has all the ingredients of stuff I like. I like this 1930s, um, I don't know what you call it, like... It's, it's Asia, or sometimes it'd be South America, but it's these pilots, and they're flying here and there, and it's adventure, and there's gold, and there's hidden treasures, and kind of mystical trappings to it sometimes. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I like all that. And I did enjoy this episode. It's And this doesn't sound like great praise, but it's very competent in the way it's made. Mm-hmm. There's nothing you can really pull apart. Mm-hmm. There's something missing, and like we've just... You've just discovered. I've never watched 
any more yeah. than this, and yet I have every episode. So there's something that isn't like pulling me into watching more. I might do now we've done this because I was more intrigued after closely examining it. But mm-hmm. the main character, he's good. Don't have a problem with him. Some of the side characters are a bit weak. Uh, I, li- I like I like Willie. You can never have too much Willie. That's what I say. Going to isolate that bit and keep that forever. But go on. <laughs> hey, yeah. <laughs> Um, Princess Koji's good. Um, is it a hit? Ooh. You know what? I think it is, because I think it's a pilot that... I, th- I think, yeah, it's a pilot that is not as successful as, say, the Stursky and Hutch pilot mm-hmm. that just rolls up, kicks the dars in and says, this is what we are, and just gets everything perfect. It's a pilot that you can build upon. And there's some good stuff that you can. Yeah, I, I think Starsky and Hutch is is a perfect um, analogy there because Starsky and Hutch gets everything right from the outset and then diminishes as it goes along. Where <laughs> yeah, I think Starsky and Hutch has become a like watermark I think he for does. pilots. I think he does. Whereas, like you say, this is something that you think is solid, but you you know you 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 can build upon it and make it better as you go along. Yeah, and it'll be interesting to see if they do. So I will be watching more of it. Oh, I'm, did I say it was a you hit? Did. Have I said you that? Did. You said you think it's a I hit. Did. I did. I'm still like, mm, it's very close. It's a close decision, Paul. I'm saying it's a hit, but I'm I'm on the edge on this one. I, I think I agree with pretty much everything that you've said. Um, as pastiches of 1930s serials go, we we all know that Indiana Jones is the top benchmark for it um but this manages to, to pull it off fairly well like you say i haven't i haven't got any problems with with the main character either um the over-the-top performances from the villains are fine in the context of what the show is i think um yeah the, as we said the the corky and sir are the, are the odd performances here they're the ones that stand out to me as as not working but yeah i agree but i think i think i liked it slightly more than you did I, I'm 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 okay. less on the fence about it than you are. I, I I really enjoyed it. I had a really good time watching it. Um, I even liked the monkeys. I thought I, I know I know I've joked about them as we've as we've gone along, but I agree with you that that they are stylized. And in terms of of this, they're fine. They're fine. Yeah. Um, it's not like we're ever going to see them again. Exactly. Exactly. Probably. Probably. I'd assume that. Um. So yeah, I I, I had a really good time. It, it it took me along. I never, I was never bored, and it never felt like it dragged. No, that's it was true. Very fast. Yeah. Um, yeah, it was it was yes. good fun, and I enjoyed it. So it's definitely a hit for me. Yeah. All right. So you know, it's a hit from both of us. Can't complain about that. Absolutely. So thank you for listening to this episode of Retrospection. But uh, I believe you've got something else—a sneaky little podcast that, for some reason, I'm not involved in. <laughs> yeah, well, it. You could have been, but you. Yeah, I don't think it's your cup of tea, Colin. Um, yes, the uh, a little side project of um, uh, a little rewatch podcast for Buffy the Vampire Slayer called Once More with Buffy, in which myself and my co-host Rachel will be discussing every single episode of every show connected to the Buffyverse. So if that's your thing and and you uh, 
you're you're interested in listening to two middle-aged people talking about stuff from the 90s then uh, that's your podcast sure surely that's not our listeners <laughs> uh no comment <laughs> All right, well, that's good, and now uh, listen to that. Is it first one uploaded already? Yeah, we've got an episode up now. Um, second episode should be with us uh, in a week or two, and, uh, yeah, we're going to attempt to do every single episode of Buffy, Angel, and maybe the Buffy movie as well at some point in the future. Perfect. So for all those people who hate me, that's the excellent podcast to listen to. And all the people that hate me, just don't bother. Yeah, there you yeah. go. Meanwhile, the rest of you can rate us wherever you download this podcast and thank you to our current Patreon supporters. And until next time, goodbye. Bye.